0: Welcome back to episode 15 of Pull Up with Miles and Owen. I'm here, as always, with Owen Pence. And we've got another really awesome guest that we're excited to talk to today. Nikias Duncan, uh, co-host of the Dunker Spot pod alongside Steve Jones Jr. They have incredibly in-depth W and NBA, even though we don't talk NBA on this side. Really good NBA stuff. Um, And they do really fun playbacks as well, where it's not just basketball games you might watch espn the ocho you might watch some wrestling stuff you might there's there's probably even more random stuff going on there uh and nikai also started writing for w.com not too long ago so really completely just in this w space and just one of the sharpest analytical minds around basketball around basketball and kind of all its forms so nikai thank you for joining us today and talking to us
1: Well, thanks for having me, and thanks for that intro. I I will check; will be in the mail. That was tremendous stuff. (laughs) Glad we could get this together. Just to peel the curtain back, I feel like we've been trying to get (laughs) this podcast appearance going for like a week and a half now. Yeah. So glad that we could uh, get things together. Happy to talk some W with y'all. Yeah,
0: it's not like it's been a chaotic time of the W season at all, but (laughs) this is a perfect time to talk because we've got first round games about to, to tip off. We've got awards starting to roll in those will kind of roll in through the next month and you are one of the people that i've leaned on a lot in in listening to Doctor spot and, and reading your work um and just kind of bugging you from time to time i think uh just reading everything on, on twitter and and everything that you do that has really helped inform my ballot so first of all thank you for that for for ghostwriting my ballot that's been super helpful <laughs>
1: Not the ghostwriting, man. It's just, it's so easy to, it's easy and difficult. It's easy to dig into the W. Like as someone that does both, um, it's easier to just kind of dig deep in since the league is smaller. it's 12 teams. There are only a certain amount of games per night. Uh, We can have a scheduling conversation if you want. That's another 45-minute episode. (laughs) But it is easier to just kind of dive in. And I just have a lot of fun thinking through who's doing what and why. And then once you get into like the awards lens, kind of parsing through, okay, who's been better at this specific aspect? Who's been more impactful? Like, it's a lot of fun for me. Uh, I stress myself out probably way too much for someone that doesn't have an official ballot, but it's worth the thought, and it's a fun conversation. I will say the way that Owen and I consume NBA
0: basketball, where we only focus on the Knicks, is even easier than a 12-team league, if you've only got one team to look at. Um, but last year, I tried to – I tried to. I did get into college ball a bit. And man, that was overwhelming. It shows too many schools, too many teams, too many conferences. Now, now the conferences are down. I guess at least that's that's something.
1: Man, um, I don't. But <laughs> the conference yeah, is going the way of cable. It feels like I don't know. It's all very. <laughs> very... And this is why, like, I, I have so much respect for like people like Mark, who can do NBA and W and college and also mm-hmm. grassroots. And it's just like, how do you find the time to do all of this? Like, for me, it's NBA, it's WNBA. Like, we got some international competition uh, this summer. After that, it's just like, okay, I'm going to keep up with USC football because I want them to win. I'm going to watch the Eagles and just stress myself out. And I, I can't, I don't have the bandwidth to do that. And then also, like, live, if that right? makes sense. That's what, when when Mark messages
2: that he's like watching a movie that night, I'm shocked. I'm just, yeah. like, What's
1: going he's, on here? He's a computer, man. I don't know how he does it shouldn't you be watching the eighties Pistons? What are you doing right now? <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's not the thing. Like it's, you'll get a W feature from him. And then here's this game from 1997. It's like, what, how, why? What is the rhyme or reason? I love it. I love it. It, uh, it keeps the rest of us sharp
0: by, by putting this unattainable bar that we're trying to, to match or clear. <laughs> um, so yeah, love it. Mark friend of the pod and friend in real life. So shout out to him. Um, but before, before we kind of get into some of the, the numbers, I'm kind of always interested, I know that Owen is too, just about how you kind of landed in this space. Because everybody, especially the WNBA, everyone's got a different journey into it.
1: Oh man, for me, like it's always something I've been like loosely connected to. Like my, I make the joke all the time, my very first WNBA memory was me being like nine years old and playing on my mom's computer, having backyard basketball, and always having Lisa Leslie on my team. And so between that and, like, the SI Kids uh, magazines that had, like, the player cards, I saw the Lisa Leslie, saw the Cheryl Fords, and a couple others. So, like, that's kind of how I got the W in my mind. But, you know, transparently, I was more of an NFL guy early on, more of an NBA person as I got into the basketball space specifically. And so from there, it was just catching a straight W game when it was on. And catching some of the playoff stuff. And at around like I guess like 2016, 2017, somewhere in there, I was like, okay. At some point I want to just like dig in and pick a team so I can like follow this consistently. Cause I would just have this what I would have this stretch where, okay, cool, I'm watching super consistently for the first two weeks. And then it tails off, and then I'm just done. And then the playoffs are here. It's like, all right, cool, let's see what's gonna happen. And I think one, just wanting to have a consistent pathway into it. Um, kind of uh, dictated some of my interest there. Asia, like I'm from South Carolina, um, not a GameCop fan, but having someone like Asia that was just popping on college, you know, on TV for college basketball all the time, I was like, okay, cool. She goes to the Aces, the Aces move. And I was like, okay, this seems like a very easy entry point here. Like, let me just follow the Aces and see if it's easier for me to get into the league that way versus trying to watch a little bit of everyone and not really knowing what's going on outside of who the major players were. Um, in hindsight, a very, gr- a very good decision. <laughs> uh it's just incredible. The Aces just put together one of the best regular seasons in W history uh, this past year for fast forwarding. So that's kind of how it started. Like a little bit of video game stuff, a little bit of staying connected, finally just picking a player slash team to follow. And that's now blossomed into like full blown W coverage at this point since... It also just coincides with how much deeper I've gotten into basketball, period, Uh, on the NBA side, on the W side, writing, podcasting, which is not a thing that I ever thought that I would do because I don't like talking, honestly. Uh, So, yeah, doing two-hour episodes of the pod for like a year straight is well outside the comfort zone. But, yeah, that's how it all kind of came together. And now here I am just popping up in Zooms and traveling to W games and ramping up for this playoff stretch. That's that's awesome. You took me back with the uh, the SI kids
2: like cards. I remember tearing yeah. like, those apart. Those were oh, those are the days. I, I, one thing I think we both really wanted to ask you that we admire so much about your work, and that always just seems to be like one of the most difficult things in sports writing is making film study accessible and interesting to read about, um, and, and and being able to appeal to you know, readers who really know basketball, but then also people who are getting into it or might be on a different level of understanding the game that still just love and adore your work. So how do you go about, and this is such an open-ended question, you can take it wherever you want, but how do you go about watching film? What are you looking for? And then how do you put that onto the paper or onto the Google doc or whatever?
1: Oh man. Well, it's been a process, honestly, like, first and foremost, as basic as it sounds, it starts with just watching. And, like, I think it helps me because on the NBA side and now the W side, it always kind of started with this player is interesting to, okay, I'm going to pick this team to follow so I can just watch all the time and pick up stuff and then kind of extending out to, like, a more national lens. And so for me, <clears throat> I'm very spoiled, like, growing up a Heat fan. And with Eric Exposure in particular over this recent era of Heat basketball, it's so easy to... I don't want to say easy, but, like, it's easier, rather, to, like, learn about defense in particular because that man will do a little bit of everything. And so, like, you go from just a pure fan, I want my team to win, to thinking about basketball, like, okay, we won. How did we win? And then those questions start forming, and then you kind of pop out, okay, this guy's averaging 25 points per game. How is he scoring these 25 points? And with that, it's like, okay, what is the defense trying to do to take away this guy that's averaging 25 points? And once you apply, like, that basic template to other teams and stuff like that, it becomes an easier process for me. And then as far as the writing portion, it's, again, like, recognizing this is where I was before I, like, learned more. Because it started from watching and just having fun to trying to learn. I'm reading a whole bunch of stuff. I'm listening to a bunch of pods um, and stuff like that, just trying to uh, improve the knowledge base. And so from there, it's just kind of parsing through, okay, what matters and what doesn't. Like, does it matter that this play is horns twist, or does it matter that these players are stationed at the elbows and this is why it's press strain on the defense? And so just picking through like what matters and what doesn't for like the more casual fan makes it easy. And the way that you can describe stuff like that, again, like if we're using the horns template, which is just a player in each corner, player at each elbow, someone making an entry and then they're flowing out of that. Just explaining what horns is, it lets the basketball people know that you know what it is. And for the casual viewers, it's easy to see on screen. Oh, okay. Those two players are running to the elbows. Those two players are running to the corners. I know what this alignment is. And then once you get the different action names for whatever that's, you know, whatever that matters for you, cool. Add that to the knowledge bank too. And as you learn, as you dive deeper into like the NBA or on the WNBA, every team runs a variation of the same thing. Some team some teams just run different actions more than others based on who their personnel is. So like once you see like you know, you see the horns alignment in Connecticut. You're also going to see it in Minnesota. You're also going to see it in Las Vegas, where they may have a guard at one of the free throws, one of the elbows instead of a big. And you start to see those variations. And it just becomes a lot easier to explain from there, okay, I know what this team wants to get to. I know what these teams want to get to. And then just kind of parse through it from there on the writing side. It becomes an easier process. I hope that makes sense. It makes so much sense. And hearing you talk about that, too, is like I,
2: I know we all agree on this being in these press conferences and in these zooms, how frustrating it is hearing a talk about this. (laughs) It's like listening to your answer. It's the curiosity. It's wondering how things happen. And we have such a cool opportunity to ask these brilliant basketball players and basketball coaches, basketball minds, you know, how things happen. And, and um, so, yeah, I just thought that was cool.
1: And and that's what it's all about. And like, That's what I love so much more about the W side versus the NBA side. It's so much more accessible, especially if you establish the baseline of respect with these coaches and with these players. And you're not trying to make yourself like the star of the question or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like for me, like I know I watch a ton and I know I've learned a ton from the people that I've been able to talk through and get mentorship from and stuff like that. But I never go into a pressure. Like I'm going to show Becky Hammond how smart I am with this super deep question. It's like, no, this Aces team is good. How is this aspect of the offense so good? Why is this aspect of the defense so good? Oh, snap, the Aces lost tonight. It seems like the team did this against you consistently. What made that so difficult? Like, there are always questions based on what's happening on the court. If you ask enough of those, like, they will respect that, and they will answer those. And then, again, you add that to your knowledge bank, and that helps elsewhere. If the Aces get deemed with guard-guard pick-and-rolls, and now I'm watching the wings in the dream and I'm seeing Ryan Howard scream for Alicia gray and Dallas is struggling. with. it's like, huh, conceptually I can understand why that might be an issue for them. Cause I just saw it somewhere else. And again, it all just kind of connects that way.
0: I, I love that. It. Yeah. And I think that that's what it really comes down to where it's understanding that there are sometimes people that are in those pressers that don't go in there with that kind of mindset, right. To, to try and they're chasing a quote, and, and I've been in that position before too. I've got a deadline. I've got a story I'm working on. So I'm like, whatever mm-hmm. happens by the end of today, I need to get a JJ quote or whatever. <laughs> and you, mm-hmm. and, but you can build your story around that. And, and that's a good approach. Some people, I don't know, are just in there to be in there. And then there, are, but I think that the players respect the people that are there consistently and that mm-hmm. are obviously doing this with a level of care. And I'm sure, you know, there, are, there are going to be certain players in that roster that respond better to the analytical questions to the on-court questions and that there are some that you'll notice if there's a social justice piece that you're working on or if there's something about team chemistry or a milestone there might be better people to go to for different things there too mm-hmm. um, so there are absolutely different levels to it but i think more than anything else is that consistency right it, it's being there it's it's showing that you know the w is not just your summer gig when, when the nba is out of season Mm-hmm. Um that I think has kind of been what in my eyes and and hopefully and i I'm sure the players too has has kind of elevated you as as part of that now that ace's uh media contingent there,
1: yeah, and like one of the things that I've really had to sit down with myself and understand is like it is a privilege to do this on the w side and like one in a literal sense because this is a great league with incredible basketball talents, incredible basketball minds that you get to talk to. But beyond that, it's also just a privilege to have the time to dig in the way that I do. And I know that's the case for a lot of people who a lot of my media friends are looking for, like, full-time employment somewhere. And so, like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like, having that grace and understanding, like, okay, I may hear a question that makes me tilt my head. But it's like, okay, yeah, not everyone has access to a Synergy account that can miss a game and then just watch it in 30 minutes the next morning and then come into a shoot around and ask fire off three, four questions because I was able to dig in and do that. Not everyone can do that. Not everyone can devote the time to, you know, again, just the deep dive the way that I do. And so like, I've just kind of had to take the step back in that regard. Um, but yeah, to your point, that consistency matters. And like it, one of my favorite moments of this season was going to Vegas for the commissioner's club. And then they had a regular season game that Thursday going into Vegas, going to their shoot around, and Becky Hammock seeing me and saying, hey, look who came into town. Like, he's all—he's here for the big ones. And, like, just having little jokey moments like that. It's like, huh. Like, she recognizes who I am. She respects who I am and what I do. And now we can go away from Hoop and, like, talk for a little bit. And, like, that's not something I would have envisioned a year and a half ago. Like, that's really freaking cool. Like, I've had, like, the Chelsea Gray meme with the head tilt with some of my questions. Uh <laughs> Like the Kelsey Plum, I feel like you see me uh, video from last postseason because I <laughs> asked about her screens. And it's just like, it's really cool to have that kind of, to have those kind of interactions.
0: Owen and I, in having Sandy Brondello as the coach in our local market, know very much when, when it's like, cool, we're going to talk about hoops. Now we're just going to talk for a little bit. And then she'll come and sit down and just chat with you for 15, 20 minutes. And every time it's happening, like, yeah, we're, we're trying to keep our professional media hats on, but also the entire time it's like, this is really freaking cool to talk to a, a professional coach and former player and just have her yeah. just kind of chill.
2: They, they had they had music playing at practice for like the first time ever, like a couple of weeks ago. And so Sandy just starts talking about music. And it was one of the funniest, like most just charming interactions I've ever had in this space. It was so funny, like. She's trying to remember, like, the most popular singers in the world and, like, really trying hard to remember their names. <laughs> so it was so awesome. <laughs> yeah, eventually she
0: got to Beyonce. She needed a little bit of, of help, but she was able to get to uh, Beyonce.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I'm glad she was able to get there. We, we don't want <laughs> Sandy on the on the bad side of New Yorkers.
0: No, she always she she said it again in a, in a presser because that was around when the the – hip-hop 50th anniversary when the liberty mm-hmm. were doing some stuff around there and she'd been asked about music a, a couple of times and she was like i know what i like i listen to whatever my kids i have i have teenagers so I, uh but i can identify oh i like that or no i don't like that but i have no idea who anyone's name is and if i've heard of them or not and it's it's very funny at the barclays center where owen and i will be walking into a practice or something like that and we'll say oh like Link 182 was having a concert here later tonight. Didn't know they were still touring, and like we we can kind of stay up with what the Barclays is doing. And uh, I I wonder if Sandy or the players if that's a perk if they ever just say okay we're gonna we're gonna shower and stick around and watch one of these concerts tonight.
1: I would imagine so. Like I guess on a related note, I just wonder how much leeway the Vegas players have too, because there's uh-huh. literally always something going on in Las Vegas, and like thank goodness like I'm just not in Vegas. <laughs> <'Cause> that, <laughs> I always appreciate the Vegas trips for games, playoffs, whatever the case may be. That city is just a lot. And I say that as someone that doesn't party, never smoke, never drink, whatever, but it's always so busy and congested. And I could not imagine like living there on the beat. That was the other part of what I want to say on the privilege front. I also recognize that beat writers have a different schedule than like I do. I'm watching the lead. Cause I love it. We're talking about it on the pod. I can write a piece, you know, every week or every other week for w.com. I I'm not assigned to the aces. And so that even gives me more time to just deep dive in. Okay, if I have a question today, cool. If I don't have a question today, that's also cool. Like there are many many aces pressers in particular that I'm in, I don't raise my hand. I don't have anything to say. I don't have a new thought. I'm not going to ask a question for fluff or anything like that. If I feel like I have an understanding on something, I'll leave it alone. Um, beat writers don't always have that luxury. Like they have to write something. Mm-hmm. and i would imagine that probably got a little challenging for the aces writers when they started out like 28 and whatever it was 28 and three or something it's like okay what do i even ask at this point point? <laughs> and so like even recognizing the privilege there like i don't have the same pressure and so that allows me to when i do have a question i can dive in and get this great response or whatever the case may be but, like i don't have to do that every day like mm-hmm. some other people do yeah so,
0: yeah yeah i mean. Very similar for for me and for Owen too, where it's like we are on or I'm I guess more on the Liberty beat. Owen kind of uses being in New York to to be able to see every team as it rolls through, which is which mm-hmm. is really great, right? Just to be in market somewhere so that then he can plan out, cause coming to town for back to back games. Let me start working on a Chicago piece, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, so that that's definitely the privilege of being in market. But there are some people shout out to like Brian Heyman from the, from the post who will sometimes have to leave a presser halfway through because he's got a deadline two hours later and yes, I'm on the beat and yes, I'm at all the practices, but I'm never on deadline like that. And that it makes me anxious seeing him scribble things down by hand that he's then got to get, get together in a couple of hours. Uh, but I did want to ask you about just your perspective on the role of media in the W, because you did, which I don't think is necessarily talked about enough, is you did mention that most people in this space, and Owen and I are included in that, are do not work full-time. Like, this is our second full-time job. I guess we do work full-time, we just don't get paid like it's a, a job mm-hmm. for full-time. Um, and I don't know how, uh, how many people would guess that, would understand that. Um, but at the same time, there's a level of respect and there's a level of dedication that has to come to these players and the w is not always great about i I guess there needs to be a little bit of gatekeeping right because Mm. um at the end of the day players sharing the player story yes that's what important is important but respecting them and respecting the space and understanding the space and, and those interactions uh is needs to be at the forefront um, and there have been some times this year where there has been some friction between media and between players, between the league as a whole. So, what is what is your? I know there's no there's no perfect answer,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, but what has kind of been your perspective as you've gotten deeper into the space? And obviously, a lot of this is also going to be anecdotal, right? Like it's it's mm-hmm. you've you've experienced what you've experienced, and yeah, we can we can point out a clip that goes viral about uh, maybe a poor question, maybe an overreaction, whatever. But like mm-hmm. there, there are definitely some times where there is that, that kind of pushback.
1: Yeah. I think it's what you said, right? I think it's establishing a level of respect. And like, again, like while I recognize it is a privilege again, for me in particular, to be able to do full blown W coverage. Again, I'm in a bunch of ACEs pressers, but ultimately like I'm not an ACEs writer. Like I am covering the league as a whole and I can bounce around however I want to. Not everyone can, And even the people that may have the desire to just literally cannot because if they don't have a full-time W writing spot, it has to be part-time and they have to work a full-time job somewhere. And if that full-time job is a 12-hour shift four times a week, (laughs) it just gets kind of tough. I will say, like, I guess for me, it's just difficult to kind of parse through life is life and you have to make sacrifices and that just makes it more difficult. But also, on the other hand, if you're there, there is a baseline. It's kind of how I feel as well. Like there is, even before getting into, you know, the talk about some stuff that annoys me or whatever. Like there is just a way to talk to people, period. And I don't care how good your questions may be. I don't care how insightful you may be. I don't care how much basketball you may know, how many many terms you may know, whatever. If you don't know how to address these players or address these coaches, it does not matter. You're not going to get the result you want. You're going to waste time of the player or coach that you're talking to, the other media members who, again, may be juggling other part-time or full-time responsibilities themselves because you want to make yourself the star. And, like, that's not helping anyone. That's not helping to grow the game. I would say on a general note, the role of media is to grow the game. Shout out to my, my good friend, Sabria. But it's, it is it is – that is what we do. And I can't. I wish I could remember who tweeted out the prompt of, like, what we think the role of media is I have that tweet in my head now. But I was just like, I think it's to explain the how. And depending on what your lens is, like, I am more of a film person. Someone else may be more of an analytics person. Someone else may be more of a traditional storyteller. It all works to telling the how of this player, of this coach, of this front office member, of this team, of this organization, et cetera, et cetera. And I think there is a level of care and a level of respect that goes into that. There is a level of diligence that goes into that. There's a level of research that goes into that, depending on what your base is. Like, again, on the, on the front of privilege, I have the privilege of covering the NBA part-time and full-time over the past, like, eight, nine years of my life. So I've been able to build, like, a general basketball knowledge. So hopping into the W, okay, I can watch the links a couple of times. Like, okay, cool. I know what their base defense is. I know what their base offense is. It makes it easier for me to kind of move and bounce around different teams. Not everyone has that. And so if you do not have that, you have to have that self-awareness like, okay, this is where my knowledge bank is right now. These are the things I know. These are the things I don't know. Let me formulate some kind of a plan. You can write it out or have it in your mind, however you want to do it. Here's a plan to where I can gain this knowledge so I can do this job at an optimal level. Type out your questions if you need to. Like I, I still type out whatever I want to ask to this day because I know I'm not the best speaker. I have all these thoughts, and when I'm able to just flat out write, I can put some stuff together. But just on the fly, get this sentence out with no hiccups, I still struggle with that. I recognize that, so I put up these guardrails to make sure, okay, if I got my hand raised and Becky doesn't seem to be in a great mood, if I'm going to ask my question, I need to make sure I nail it and it's clear. Because if not, I'm going to feel bad about myself, because that's just how my brain works. Becky may not understand what my question is, and just using her as an example. And now it's I feel bad. She doesn't feel great. Again, there are six other people on Zoom, four other people in person. And now we're all just like, well, that was a cool 48 seconds. <laughs> That's neat. And so you, you just kind of have to hold yourself to this standard of if I'm in here, I'm going to do it right. Or at the very least, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And do whatever you can to nail it. No one's going to bat a 1,000. I've had my flubs. will continue to have my flubs and stuff like that. But that's also where the consistency and building that respect comes in. I know if I botch a question, I'm not going to be exiled from Aces Media or wherever I'm at because I've been in there enough, I've asked enough, I've taught these players and coaches enough to where they know, okay, this is what he does, he respects the league, he respects his team, he knows what he's doing, and I have that leeway to make a mistake. If you are new, like you, you may not have that, fair or not, and so it's even more important to understand where you are, what you want to accomplish, what kind of coverage you want to provide, what you need, what you want to learn about, and formulate that plan and try to execute it to the best of your ability.
0: I love that. I love that. I, I think also for me starting in 2020 in the bubble season, mm-hmm. I also wrote out all of my questions because like you, I mean, I know that this is a little bit weird to say now that we're on a podcast and yeah. <laughs> we you've got your podcast that one and I have have hours and it's like I don't I don't like to talk either this is really pushing myself out of my comfort zone because just you can't just be a writer anymore right like you need to you need to do more stuff and and find more avenues to kind of get out there but I still type up all my questions also the only times I don't is now sometimes in person there's just no time right like you Mm -hmm. you have to like muscle your way through the crowd after a game ends and try to get downstairs and try to formulate stuff. Uh, And then when you're staring, when some of these players will hold that eye contact, right. And if you're in person, that's a lot different from being on a screen and trying Mm -hmm. to to ask a question, but I'm the same way. I'm like, if I miss a word, if I don't know what I'm doing, I feel much more comfortable typing everything out. So it's definitely a skill set that I'm working on, but I'm glad that you pointed that out. And that I think that's an important thing to note that like, there are so many different ways to to approach this to get to the same place.
1: Yeah. Like, it, there is no one right way to do it, but there is a right way to do it, if that makes sense. There like, are wrong ways just, to do it. Yeah, there are, there are plenty <laughs> of wrong ways to do it. And so, again, you may have different methods, but ultimately, if you're approaching this with care, if you're approaching this looking to understand versus let me showcase how great I am or let me showcase that I'm here, hey, I support women, I'm in a Zoom. Like, that's not how that works. And frankly, it's easy to point it out when, <laughs> when that is the case. Because more often than not, the consistency just isn't going to be there. Mm-hmm. And again, like, you got two or three times in a Zoom presser, you see someone's name, they just don't see it anymore. It's like, hmm, that's pretty interesting. But
0: Yeah, on, that, the, Liberty, on the Liberty side, that's whenever someone pops in to ask about Serena sneakers. That's what that's that's what that's about. You're like, oh, never saw that person
2: before, never will again. So yeah. <laughs> one thing that that resonated with me, and we're about to talk about awards because we could literally have this conversation forever. I'm enjoying it so much. But w- one thing that resonated during this conversation that I also think is is really important is what you said about not trying to prove how knowledgeable you are to these players and, and, and just coming in with a sense of humility and being clear in your questions, because that is something I hear so much and it's difficult. It takes a lot of practice, but these players very often have just played a super exhausting game. And then they're coming out here and they've got to, you know, try to tie together the like five different thoughts that you've packed into one question (laughs) or whatever. And they're like, wait, what was the question in there? You Mm -hmm. know? And just like, if you can be clear and, and, like you said, just just talk to these players. Um, it's it's a really cool position to be in. And I think that just also makes for for better answers, because then it's just like they have something very, very clear to go off of and uh, and and just makes for better stuff all around.
1: Yeah, like there's a level of discernment that comes in any area of life. But in sports media in particular, you got to know time and place with some of this stuff. Like there have been like, again, I have a till presser. If I don't have anything, I'm not raising my hand. Sometimes I will have something, and I can just kind of read. All right, Becky may be ready to go. Asia may be ready to go. Jackie may be ready to go. Kelsey may be ready to go. I can save this for. <laughs> I can save this for another shoot around or a pregame or whatever the case may be, and just kind of understanding. All right, they may not have it. Let me just respect the human. Let them rock. And also, you know, for my benefit, the odds of me getting the answer that I want and the insight I want improves if this player is in a good mood or is visibly in the space to think about your question versus let me get thought bubble seven for this answer. It fits. We cool. I can go on autopilot and we're good.
0: For sure. For sure. All right. Yeah. Like Owen was saying, let's, let's switch gears because yeah, we're a half hour in and we haven't even started talking ballots. Um, I know that you wrongly did not have one of your own this year to to cast let me just say this publicly that is a travesty (laughs) but that yeah you're making up for it by thinking about it more than anybody who did have a vote so that's the that's the zone we're in so i wanted to just kind of ask you what were some of the the toughest decisions for you to make this year or or to
1: to think about what do you think the hardest it uh, feels like the answer is just yes, outside of rookie of the year, honestly. <laughs> um, but no, if I had to parse it down, like, I would say MVP was the most difficult one. Like, I think my top three would probably be MVP, probably the spots 9 and 10 on all W, especially since his position is now. Mm-hmm. And then, like, spots 9 and 10 on the all-defensive team for me. Because right. I just found myself with the teams in particular, it's like, okay, here are six players for two spots. And I can make an argument for all of them. Like, this is their role. They do this well. Well, this player also does their role and does it well. Well, this on-off split may be a little bit better. Like, okay, cool. But, like, they're guarding different people, and that's different impact. And now that makes it a little bit different. Okay, cool. This player had these stocks plus the impact. Wait, their team finished ninth in defense. What does that mean? Like, Mm -hmm. my mind just goes a 1,000 miles per hour trying to parse through that kind of stuff. I I completely as someone
2: who also doesn't have a vote what you said about the ninth and tenth spots is so true and I was just thinking this the other day when I was writing up my like if I had a vote awards and I was like we need there's no reason not to have a third team all W because I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm like Jewel Lloyd might be my 11th player and that just feels so wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've always had her on either first or second team in the past years. And obviously, especially when it, it was, you know, going by position. Um, but even now I'm like, well, I've got eight spots already locked. And then there's Chelsea Gray and Sabrina Inescu and Jewel Lloyd, not to even mention other players. It's like, I can't leave any of those off. Why? You know, it's, it's obviously not a super important thing, but I feel like more awards are always better. And uh, a third team would be kind of a cool way to, to do that. I also do think that with the categories you mentioned, those
0: were the toughest for me. Those and most improved, mm-hmm. um, most improved and sixth woman are, I think, going to be tough every year because philosophically, it might be how you approach those awards and and mm-hmm. what and and everybody might be coming at it from a different angle. So that just that just kind of shifts things. Um, but it is really reassuring. This is my first year with a, a vote. And it's really reassuring to hear everybody talk about how difficult this has been. Because I'm like, good, it's not just me. Not just me struggling. Not just me scrambling uh, to try to like, try to dissuade myself from what I think I'm settled on. And it's mm-hmm. so much second guessing. But this is, it's it's so important, right? It is really, really important that everyone who has the the privilege, I know we keep talking about privilege, but the privilege to vote in these is, is making sure that you are going down to the you know the 11th hour to make sure that you're doing the best by yourself. Um, so no further ado How'd your we I didn't know until actually I was filling out the ballot that uh, MVP I didn't remember that MVP was ranked voting which I really mm-hmm. liked. That made me feel a lot more comfortable. Um, I don't know if it changed the direction I would have gone in um, but there are five spots. So, if you had to place your your five MVPs, where were you landing at the end of the at the end of the day?
1: Um, <clears throat> funny enough, uh, we just had like the well, Steve and I had our official like awards uh, final uh, check in because we've done I think four uh, check ins on the award front this season, which also just makes, makes it easier to kind of parse through what the season's been like. And Mm -hmm. it also helps once you get to the final one, like, well, hey, I did shout this player out in these other two pods. This one played better so I can replace them. I'm not hating on your favorite player or your favorite team, that stuff. But anyway, that's another pod. Uh, For (laughs) MVP, I landed on Asia 1, Stewie 2, AT3, Satu 4, and I had Fee 5. I will also just add, I think if the Sparks make the playoffs, like, I probably have NECA over Fee very barely uh, for that fifth spot. But those were my five. Okay. I landed the same way
0: with you, top three. Um, and it was really down to the last day of the season. And I finished Asia first, Stewie second, AT third. Um, but I was Fee four. Fee, mm-hmm. I, I, I think that what she has done with that team has just been phenomenal throughout the entire season. And that's without even taking into consideration the context of this is her first full season back. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I had NECA five. The, the Satu the Satu conversation is really interesting for me because she's also somebody that was stuck in that, in that most improved conversation as well. And Mm -hmm. I don't know that I necessarily subscribe to the, you know, she was injured, so she shouldn't qualify because there's so much that she was doing this season that, you know, she, she's an all-star talent, but that she hadn't been doing before. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas also I got to see Jordan, firsthand jordan canada play at au this year and seeing her seeing the way that she approached the game the aggressiveness with which she played there and then to be able to carry that over to the w um when you're talking about improvement in skill set mm-hmm. something that like i didn't realize until I, and i just pulled it up in front of me now The ballot itself says, please note, this award is designed to honor a player who has made a dramatic improvement from the previous season or seasons. It is not intended to be given to a player who has made a comeback. Mm -hmm. That was interesting wording, I thought, when you're when you're then talking about Satu's case, right, where where they're trying to say this is not a comeback player of the year award. So just because somebody was injured or out or, you know, wrongfully imprisoned, like that does not make them eligible for for most improved um and yeah i wasn't really ready for that when that kind of description when i was getting into it so eventually i did end up going jordan with that award and i think that they were both super deserving but then i had satu land on one of my all w teams so it's weird to be having that different conversation right where you're like how can she be one of the top 10 players in the w and also not the most improved uh, or just missing my my MVP ranking ballot. Um, so, how would you put Satu's season? Kind of how would you just describe everything that she's done this season, both offensively and defensively? Because her versatility there, I think, is where she really took a leap as well.
1: Yeah, I think like frankly, this is just easily the best season of her career. Like it helps that it is also the healthiest season. But like what you alluded to, it's not like she is healthy thus numbers. Like the drives are better and more controlled and she's getting to the free throw line a lot more doing a better job of reading her positioning on drives and reading defenders bodies and getting into the body and into the line, the shot itself, like the shooting itself from three is enough to make her MIP case without anything else. Like the level of comfort, the avenues in which she's getting the threes up. It's not just the set shots anymore. You will get the one dribble pull up and flowing off, you know, getting creating those pull up threes. She could do that as well. The defense has gotten better. Like, the rebounding, uh, that has also gotten better, at least statistically. Like, I would just have to dig a little bit deeper into Dallas' film to see, like, how much of that is opportunity versus she's boxing out better or she's reading the ball coming off the rim faster. Like, that would just take, like, a dive for me. I, I've done some weird stuff when trying to learn about players, so, like, that's not out of my wheelhouse. Um, so, I won't speak to the rebounding point. But she's just been incredible. I think she was firmly Dallas's best player this year. And considering what their actual like wing depth is on that roster. She was wildly important to what they do. And that's not to disrespect what Natasha Howard does, you know, as kind of a sweeper on the back end with how aggressive they play pick and roll. Sometimes it says nothing about the interior presence that Tier McCown is. And it certainly isn't intended to be disrespect to our Rika Gumbawale, who, you know, you can look at the field goal percentage, but the three point percentage perked up post all-star break, just the amount of pressure that she puts on defenses, the improvement as a playmaker, the improvement defensively, I don't want to sneak on you know don't want to denigrate any of that but what Satu was able to do on both ends of the floor and not just someone who was eating off of others gravities but someone who created and generated gravity herself offensively that's different because you think about early in her career like she showcased the flashes of this really big wing that can get downhill and if the jumper's going i don't know what you do but it's a lot different to Satu's drawing two sometimes because of how dominant she's become as a driver, how dominant she's become as a post player against mismatches. And then being able to play make out of that. Like, it's different going from Satu can score when she has it, when she's off the ball, ignore her, we'll see, you know, good luck. She's just unlocked so many more avenues of her game on and off the ball this year. That's where I have her, again, I had her fourth on my fake ballot for MVP. I had her on all W first team for me, and she wound up being my MIP because it's also just difficult to make the leap from, even if, if you believe that Satu was an all-star talent and the only thing was health. I don't necessarily agree with that completely, but if that is what your baseline is, going from all-star talent to all-W talent in a league as talented as it is, is very difficult. Yeah, And to improve the workload on both ends of the floor, play more games in the longest season in W history, and then improve your efficiency to this degree while also getting more often of, uh, defensive attention, and then thinking back to some of the earlier years, like Satu in some lineups with Marina Maybe who could shoot, Arike, who could shoot, Alicia Gray, who could shoot. And then looking at this Dallas team, it's like, all right, Arike can shoot. Who else is defense who our defense is respecting? And Satu still able to score the way that she was and playmate the way that she was. I was a Jordan Canada truther up until like the last week of the season, to be frank. And like I have the pod episodes to prove it. Um but it, it just kind of swung late for me with Satu. like she just did too much it's a, it's a really big leap that she made.
0: I think I think it's also for me I was watching Satu at Fenner before in this past off season and when you were talking about some of the the flashes, that was a very inconsistent roster there. That was Stewie showing up a little late, Sloot getting there a little late and and Satu kind of getting more more minutes but then being relegated she was coming off the bench for a while and then and then late was starting again and i wondered if looking at how she was playing there she looked great but i was looking at that roster that she was playing with and if that was like as a complementary piece so for mm-hmm. her to then come into the the w season and build off of that consistently because that's yeah. what it was it was the consistency throughout the season and yeah when she's making a push putting up a 40 point game near the end of the season and and averaging 28 or whatever it is down the stretch that also adds to those numbers. Um, but it, it wasn't just empty usage also. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I can't say anything bad about Satu Savali from this season. And I love it. I, I love it. I love that we're seeing it, right. I love that we're seeing her and Sabrina from that draft class. Now both be all W talents, which is just awesome to see from a one, two that were teammates in college too. Mm
2: -hmm. Everything we've discussed about Satu's improvements this year and how hard it is to make that leap from All-Star to truly one of the five or six or seven best players in the league. This is why we need to rename most improved player the Jackie Young Award. I'm just going (laughs) to say it should be called the Jackie Young Award because every year,
1: just more improvement. Hold on, hold on. The starry Jackie Young Award. Let's go. There we go. Come on. We got to tie it in. Let's go. It all ties together.
2: So, so were your five
1: uh, top five
2: MVP players your first team All W, and then if the answer is
1: yes, who would you have for second team? Um, actually, let me pull this ballot back up and make sure I did have it. Different. I think, <clears throat> I think I did have a slight change. I think I did have Nekka on my first team, and okay. then Satu slide into the second team. And you know, can call me a dummy if you'd like, for people that are listening, but something that's been very consistent for me, like on the NBA side and the W side, I value the team success a lot more for MVP than I do for all W. And you look at some of the, like one just Neca was incredible on both ends of the floor, as was Fee, but Neca spearheading what was the best defense in the W post All-Star break, in addition to what she was doing offensively. And then you look at some of, if you care about this portion, you look at some of the on-off splits between Neca and Fee, and it's the Sparks barely winning their minutes with Neca on the court and just completely dying without her off the floor. And you factor in so much roster turmoil with the Sparks team, like just the most injured team in recent memory on the W side. And the fact that the Sparks were able to win their minutes with Neca on the floor almost irregardless of anyone else was incredible to me. And with Fee, like there was a big gap. They were obviously much better with her on the floor than off the floor but they did still lose their minutes with feet on the floor. And just as a general aside, I don't know what to do with this Lynx team in terms of award stuff. Cause it's like to go from 0 and 6 and to make the playoffs. I think they're the first team since the 2015 Sparks, if I have that stat correct, uh, yeah. to start that poorly and make the playoffs. And they made it and it's cool. But it's like they're also under 500 and they're also 10th in that rating among 12 teams. It's like, okay, this team isn't very good. And so, like, as we get into, like, Cheryl Reeve for Coach of the Year, it's like, there was a turnaround, but, like, do we factor in the roster building portion of that? And if not, do we factor in what this team was? Like, they won close games, and in the second half of the year, they beat some good teams. But, like, it still wasn't a good team, so it feels weird to reward the team not being good, but also, I guess, just outperforming the rest of the bottom of the league because it was just Aces of Liberty won a whole bunch
0: mm-hmm. the
1: sun won a bunch and then here are the wings a little bit over 500 and then everyone else is just kind of you know hashtag parody i guess like, i just didn't know what to do with that.
0: <laughs> well it's also been the last what three or four seasons now that the Lynx start by losing they they started zero and three or zero and four the last couple of years also but the difference was they they didn't they added point guards both times right like they they brought in lay a couple of years ago and then last year they brought in mo jeff they made that trade for mo jeff after not having a a point guard after letting crystal dangerfield go at first but like after not having a a point guard on the roster and like you could point at that for the turnaround this year i guess like dorka really helped write the ship and they kind of used her as a point forward sometimes too which Mm -hmm. was which was part of it um but there wasn't that roster. There wasn't a change to the roster this year. Like there had been in years past that became a a catalyst. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess Cheryl Reeve not playing aerial powers. I don't know if that was, if that affected anything I'm ready (laughs) for the, I'm ready for the 30 for 30 to one day come out about that uh, whole situation. Um, But I'm with you too, where it's just like, even when you're having the the coach of the year conversation, which I know now we're jumping all over the place. Uh, teams four through 10 being separated by three games or whatever, right? Like, or four through nine, I guess, to, to say, you know, LT did so much better of a job than Cheryl that like, it's just then Tanisha, right? Like all of those are somewhat interchangeable and obviously situations do come into play um, and, and roster construction. But for me in that category, I, I looked at the, the top, couple of teams and and that's where i that's where i was making my decision because you you could there were there were flawed rosters obviously when the league is so top heavy that's going to to make it so that if the average wins are whatever 31 wins from the top three teams that's Mm going to make it that everybody else is going to come out as an aggregate under 500 um but when you're when you're then like measuring them head to head being a game or two apart on the standings wasn't enough to make a difference for me in that coach of the year conversation.
1: I got you. I got you. Like, it's just, just a weird, just a weird year, like four through 10, honestly, just to bounce off what you said. So I'll have a quick note here. I guarantee if the Sparks make the playoffs instead of the sky, like Kurt Miller is just the narrative, which is go towards him for coach of the year, I'd imagine, which speaks to again, just how close all this stuff is. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just to flip it back to the All-W conversation, uh, my second team, I did have Fee. I had Jackie Young. I had Sabrina. I had Kelsey Plum. And I had Alicia Gray kind of as my final two there. And I didn't feel great about it. Because one, like, I feel like the general blandness of what Atlanta was post All-Star break It has really just put a damper on what this season has been for Alicia Gray. She's been really freaking good. To take on more offensive uses, the drives to hit more, playmaking bump. I wish she could take more threes, but I feel like that's more of a roster construction issue. They need her to drive because who else is going to drive if she doesn't? But to do all of that in an approved role, different situation, and still defending at an all-W level, like I feel like that should just be rewarded. And then trying to parse through which aces guard I was going to have between Kelsey and Chelsea was just tough. Like, I feel like Chelsea finished the season stronger than Kelsey did. Kelsey wasn't shooting well to start the year, but literally everything else was at a career-high rate. It was like a weird thing to where Kelsey found the shot towards the second half of the year, but then the defense started to tail off some. And it's like, okay, I don't know what to do with this. And so I don't feel great not having Chelsea on my team. Uh, I could easily talk myself into, I guess, flipping the grays or going Chelsea over Kelsey, but they're all right there. No Jewel or, <laughs> no or Rike on my team doesn't feel great either. For just how much defensive attention both of those players get, and how generally hard they tried on defense for most of the year, especially on Jewel, like Jewel was just locked mm-hmm. in. It felt like wasn't an elite defender, but was firmly a solid one. In addition to just being the game plan offensively, set the single season scoring record, uh, broke various storm records as well. The efficiency threshold kind of did it for me, with in regards to both of them. Which again, the context matters. They're seeing a whole lot of attention and neither of them are in optimal spacing context. So, like, that obviously hurts. But when it's Jewel and Enrique versus what Kelsey was able to do overall, what Alicia was able to do overall, what Sabrina was able to do, it's just – it's splitting hairs, and it stinks. Yeah. And to Owen's point, like, it would be cool if we had a third team because I think they would all be there. Like, Kalia Copper would probably be on my third team if there was one. Um, I'm You know, following my friends at the committee, like, a few of them would have Aaliyah Boston as a second-team selection. Like, that's a little rich for my blood. But we get to a third team. I don't think that's out of the question. Like, I don't know if I would firmly have her on the third team. But, like, that's how good she was. And zooming out, this is how good the league is. That The fact that there is even a case to make that Jewel Lloyd is not an all-W player, in terms of WAR, we know in terms of talent she absolutely is. But, like, the fact that there's even a case to be made for Jewel not to make it speaks to how talented this league is right now. Because it's absurd. It's tough. It's so absurd, and this is great
2: because I love the variety. Like, it's sometimes, especially with the MVP, everyone just has the same top three, and and it's obvious, you know. But this is why I love All-W, because we can show love to so many players, and it's why I want a third team, because, you know, not having Jewel having Jewel Lloyd as the 11th player or whatever is not shade. We are, like, such massive fans of her, and she's been amazing. And, you know, I, I remember one of your tweets, like, Fairly recently, you had Ka on second team at a certain point, like you're showing love throughout the season, mm-hmm. to players, and like you said, it, it is splitting hairs to the you know smallest degree or however you want to phrase it, where it's like you've got, even if we had a third team, okay, Aliyah and all these players, it would still be so impossible to leave certain yeah. people off. And that just speaks to how many unreal performances and players there are in this league right now.
0: I do I do want to say that I did have Jewel Lloyd second team which mm-hmm. um, all of these basically everything that you're talking about I I had I had Chelsea and Kelsey as my first two off with Chelsea being the hardest omission for me actually mm-hmm. um, I had Ka on my second team and it, it was kind of what you were alluding to about just like a player that kind of willed her team into the postseason. And think about all of the and, and I thought about just all of the you, you talked about Los Angeles and what they dealt with 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 injuries and, and with all of this just external stuff that was kind of out of their hands off court. And I thought about Chicago the same way with, with yeah. how James Wade uh, left them kind of high and dry a month into the year. And that that team really battled and, and Ka being at their heart and being their best player. You know, mm-hmm. without question,
2: shooting forty percent from three. By the way, over forty yeah. percent from three.
0: Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, her and Courtney Williams both putting I'm up gonna... putting up those those seasons that they did. Uh, Courtney Williams over forty percent from three and also top five in assists this year. Uh, yeah, shout out to angry. her. Yeah, shout out to her for this season. Um, but yeah, I was I was pretty closely aligned. Otherwise, I had Jackie get my last spot on first team. Uh, okay. So I did have a difference where. My fifth spot MVP was NECA, but my fifth spot first team was Jackie. And mm. and I think that the difference for me there was when you're talking MVP, when you're talking about who the difference maker uh, who the best player on that team is, I, I couldn't talk myself into having two top five MVP players that are from the same team. Yeah. But when you're just talking about what Jackie has done defensively on that squad as as the perimeter player picking up the best assignment. On the, and yes, you have Asia behind you, but just her efficiency this year. And and maybe I shouldn't talk too much about Jackie because I know that Owen is just, <laughs> I just have to like tee him up and, and throw him that softball. Uh Owen, yeah, why should, why
2: should Jackie be first team all W? Well, this is the thing Miles doesn't want to admit. He's like being very professional here with all his reasoning. It's like the real reason is because I just wouldn't stop texting you. I, was, <laughs> <laughs> I have an agenda and I'm going to make it known. Uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, all the stuff, you've seen my tweets, whatever. The efficiency is just off the charts. And I just always come back to like the watching her growth year after year, every single year in this league, adding different stuff to her game, just having elite level conditioning, the way she sees the floor, so underrated. And then you just look at the percentage that she's shooting in the restricted area on twos on threes at the free throw line from every level and, and the variety of these threes pulling up in transition, not an easy shot to hit, just stopping. I mean, here I am getting exercise. The, the star have... <laughs> oh, just...
1: There you go. <laughs> Super See, and this me to an interesting point to kind of circle back to like the media portion of the pod. <clears throat> again, like I'm, I'm in aces pressers a bunch, but like, again, I can just cover the leak, but like, I do understand like I'm, I watch the Aces more than anyone else. And, like, I do wonder <laughs> for you, Miles, like, do you feel like that becomes like a hindrance when it comes to like a war stuff? Because for me, as we were talking through all W, we're talking about Jackie Young and how great she was. And for me, like, watching her defensively, possession by possession, like, that's part of the reason why I've had her on the second team versus the first. So, I... yeah.
0: Uh, well, sorry, sorry. Finish your point there because it didn't affect me with Jackie, but it did affect me with a different player on the Aces
1: got you like i feel like just the general element of i am too close to this to where because again i'm watching everyone but because i'm watching like the aces probably get priority for me in terms of games that i'm watching and stuff i notice like the slippages possession by possession in a way that if i'm watching 40 games of the aces and 28 games of the dream i might end up feeling better about alicia gray's defense just because i don't see the same volume of like minor mistakes yeah. That she may make within her scheme versus I see everything with Jackie, good or bad. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, uh, I will say that that, I think, had Sabrina maybe a tougher. She made my second team, but might have made that more of a conversation because I saw some of the ups and downs. Um, mm-hmm. I saw some of the defensive struggles, but I also did see the improvements that she made throughout the season. Um, and then I that that could be watching Sabrina could then hurt Kelsey Plum's case in my mind, right? Where I'm seeing where I'm not necessarily seeing every possession of, of what Kelsey's doing um, and also thinking about this is the knockdown shooter that this team is is like generating look, so many looks for because of the talent elsewhere on the court and then looking at the efficiency numbers that I'm seeing Sabrina put up could then head to head end up being a knock towards towards Kelsey, right? So there's, there's I think some of that where it does happen and then sometimes when you have the good that gets even more elevated um but the player that i think was negatively affected in in on my ballot um for being on one of these i don't want to say i'm not going to say super teams but on one of these <laughs> like super talented rosters which is a very different way of saying the same exact thing uh was alicia clark when it came to sixth player of the year because mm-hmm. i looked at a lot of those on off numbers but also like with kayla thornton i took into account that she was never on the court without several all-stars at the same time so when you're looking at some of the advanced stats without kind of just following through the game mm-hmm. yes the a lot of those numbers are going to be boosted in their favor because you're in a position to succeed literally at all times right mm-hmm. uh, and and it dropped both both kt and ac down on my ballot and i ended up going with djanae because mm-hmm. there were some games this year that she became the main the main piece for connecticut Uh, where they don't win a few of those games without Dijonet in the fourth quarter and her just playing 31 out of 40 was a bit of a knock, but she was a game changer and, and, you know, Dana had her moments too in Chicago, Dana Evans. Uh, But yeah, it's, it's weird to have an award work against you because you're on a talented team or because that's the team that, like you said, that you're seeing so much.
1: And like, I think the, like on the flip side of that, like that's probably why I was a little bit higher on AC's case for sixth player of the year. She ended up being my pick mm-hmm. just because like, OK, no, like she's not going to average 12 points per game off the bench. And if you were just looking for the traditional, again, coming with the NBA background where I, I hate how sixth band of the year is voted for in the NBA, it just becomes did your team make the playoffs? Did you lead the NBA in bench scoring? If yes, you are the winner. And I, I hate how reductive that is. Mm-hmm. It, it is insane to me that like Andre Godal in particular just doesn't have an award. In spite of being an insane defender and connector offensively and hitting timely shots, he didn't score enough. So he didn't win. Anyway, that's a whole nother rant. Uh, before AC. And like also, they, sorry.
0: And also justice for Emmanuel quickly as well. While we're I, on the I, topic. I, I,
2: I do <laughs> shout out to IQ. Yeah. My, my <laughs> sixth player of
0: the year. Sorry. You're in you're Nick's town no, right now.
1: <laughs> if I remember correctly, I think I had, I think I had quick one and Brogdon Two on my fake battle in the NBA side. So like we're aligned in that front, but yeah, but like, <clears throat> because I also have that background, I also just, I don't care as much about the bench scoring It's more like, what does your team ask you to do? And can you perform that at a high level? Mm-hmm. And while like AC was flanked with talent, AC also uh, heard, you know, her presence on that roster, especially in light of waves arms wildly with the rest of the bench. depth, Her presence on the roster unlocks the latest small ball unit. If you replace Alicia Clark with insert wing here that may not shoot as well or may not be able to defend fours as well, then the aces probably still win those minutes just because of you have Asia, you have Chelsea, you have Kelsey you have Jackie on the floor. It is a hit to the same degree. And like Alicia was a very consistent closing part of piece for the aces in fourth quarters, even before Candace went down. Like there were games they were closing with Alicia instead of Candace. and like that spoke volumes to me early on. Then you factor in just how important the shooting has been. Just how important, as infrequent as they may be, like statistically, how important those early seals and transition are, and just getting a foul, and even if it's not free throws for her, it's a team foul, and now someone else reaches or tries to fight over a Kelsey Plum screen, and now they're in the bonus, and that all starts with Alicia Clark running the floor hard, and stuff so, like stuff like that kind of adds up cumulatively. Then you add in the on-off stuff. That's where I end up with Alicia Clark. Like DJNA was up there for me for most of the year as well. Like her the drives and just general efficiency inside of two post all-star break hurt. And then once she also missed times like, okay, well now yeah. I just feel very good about the Alicia Clark pick. Um, I get that. Where, yeah.
0: Well, also everything that you're saying about Alicia Clark, that's what I'm also seeing firsthand with, with Kayla Thornton, with Thornton right. Yeah. Where she's not going to have the flashy numbers, but she's the one that they're putting in there for defensive possessions at the end of the game that they, they, she won them a game against Washington earlier this year yeah. where, where she got two stops. I think it was on, it was on EDD, and it might have been on like Shakira or or Tiana Hawkins, somebody like that, where she got back-to-back stops at the rim, uh, in a game that they were able to hold off Washington, and um, just her flexibility and her willingness to you know play so many different defensive possessions and be the first one on the floor, get those those offensive rebounds and and knock down threes at a at a pretty consistent clip too. So yeah, yeah. totally understand. And and again that that is my other, like I said, the, the philosophy award where it's just like it, how you approach it is going to inform your decision more than just numbers. And I think that that's a good thing to some extent, right? That, that people can't just Google who is the most, is the best bench player. But on the other hand, for the, the people that don't get to see or aren't in market or, or just aren't as locked in mm-hmm. uh, it, it becomes a, much tougher award to kind of handicap and try to figure out what people are, are going to come away
1: with. Yeah. I would imagine some people would see Kayla Thornton averaging five and a half points or Alicia Clark averaging six and a half. It's like, how, how are they in the top three? And it's like, nah, you kind of have to watch these teams and what they're trying to get to, man. Like, this is what, like you think about all the switching that New York does. And you think about the switching yep. the aces do with their smaller limits. Like it does not, it frankly just does not work without Alicia Clark or Kayla Thornton, respectively. totally it kind of surprised me and and disappointed me a little
2: bit near the end of the season how it seemed like a lot of people were pushing marine as the the sixth player of the year and like look we all love marine she is so awesome so fun to watch amazing person zero shade towards her did you watch the whole season like (laughs) 18 has been instrumental to this team the entire way like you said schematically and and defensively and allowing them to, to play bigger, to play smaller, just doing everything, you know, diving on the floor for loose balls, all that little stuff that doesn't show up in points for, per game. Marine struggled for most of the year. The narrative around Marine for like the majority of the season until like commissioner's cup was like, Marine doesn't have her confidence and then credit to her. Cause she started playing really, really she well up to her capabilities, but it's like, are we just going to forget the first, 60% of the season and oh by the way KT was also really awesome in the last 40% of the season too this isn't just because KT was our first guest on this podcast we are big shout fans. out friend of the pod KT friend of the pod we could record a pod on all of these segments alone um, but we got to transition to the final part of, of uh, this episode which is round one which does begin on Wednesday night which might be tomorrow night which might be tonight depending on when you're listening to this, Mm -hmm. Um, is there a series that you are especially excited for? Is there something surprising that you think is going to happen? What would you like to talk about, about round one?
1: Oh boy. Uh, I think again, the answer is just yes. And I will disclose. I should have a playoff piece up uh, soon. I'll just say soon to kind of cover bases on whenever the pod comes out Um, for WNBA.com. So check that out. Roll the, Quick thing on, like, oh, here's the scheme thing that I'm looking forward to in each matchup. Um, I guess to narrow it down to two, I'm very curious to see what the Sun Lynx matchup looks like with team with both of those teams, I guess their version of healthier, since there are still some key pieces missing for Minnesota um on the Connecticut side as well. Minnesota's offense is so funky, and we talked about it a little bit earlier with how they use their bigs as hubs. And for me, like the fun is Fee is a primary ball handler. Here's Kayla McBride setting a screen. Or here's, you know, we talked about, like, the horns alignment a little bit earlier. Kayla McBride's at the elbow, and now Fee's just cutting off of her, and it's like, all right, you have a decision to make if you're a defense. We can switch this, and now Fee can just mash whoever's guarding her now. Or you don't, and Kayla McBride's popping up for a wide number three. You don't really want either of those options. And so I'm curious to see, it's been a lot of, uh, you know, we only saw Fee in two of the the four matchups during the regular season series. But, like, Alyssa Thomas has gotten the feed matchup. And, like, one, just from a star perspective, that's a fun matchup to kind of force through. But when you factor in how Minnesota likes to run their offense and how often they have smaller players screen for fee on and off the ball, how is Connecticut going to deal with that? And it also brought me back to a philosophy question that Steve and I talked during on a recent episode of the pod, where it's like, hey, if you're an offense, how do you want to handle Alyssa Thomas? Is it better to move her to the corner somewhere and play 4-on-4? Four four, or... Is it better to directly involve her in the action, which sound, sounds insane, directly involve her, but if you're able to slip a pass behind, who's to help now? And so I think this is going to be an interesting template to see how Minnesota wants to go about moving Alyssa Thomas around. So like, I'm really excited for that matchup.
0: I also, just thinking about Fee specifically, remember, I don't know if you guys remember this, but our, our friend Tarika Foster-Brasby had... Uh, had around the all-star break that segment where she was doing like over unders with players and asking them, do you think they did more of this or less of this? And they, and she asked, she asked Fee about, about AT's triple doubles at the time. And Fee went way over and she was like, Oh, I guess it's just every time against us, it feels like she gets a triple double. (laughs) So for that alone, and that was before AT, I feel like after the break, she had maybe four of them, right? Like that was, she really picked it up after the All-Star break, too, AT. So that matchup in particular, yeah, she's going to be a menace. I mean, both of them, right? Like, both of them are going to be tough guards. And, and that matchup, when you're talking about superstars, that's, I guess, for, for based on where um, my, my MVP ballot landed and, and yours do, uh, that's the only matchup of two MVP-level candidates that are seeing each other in the first round. So that's exciting, an exciting thing to see players that, you know, a similar non-existent position going head to head.
1: It should be fun. And then I'll quickly add as the second one, it's got to be uh, New York and Washington. As if I can remember the numbers from my own piece, like a one oh nine point six offensive rating for the Liberty overall this year, a one hundred offensive rating in the four games against Washington. The assist rate drops from seventy five, which is a WNBA record to sixty seven point eight against the mystics in those matchups and it's just like hey man also stewie averaging a shade under 16 points per game in those matchups and Mm -hmm. i'm not going to cite what her percentages are from the field or from three i'll just let you look that up on your own it's not great that's going to be an interesting test for the liberty i think they are a more talented team and i think with shakira austin's health being up in the air right now i would assume that she's just not going to be available for this first round series that should probably further swing it for the Liberty. But the Mystics have notes that they can hit to make this a three-game series, if not win it altogether. So I, I will have my eyes on that one as well.
0: When you talk about just the the guard play, those matchups, it's not just that the perimeter defense, which has been kind of the bread and butter coming into the season. We knew that the Mystics, in having already in having Natasha Clout and Ariel Atkins, then adding Brittany Sykes, when you talk about the assist percentages, right? You're just seeing the, the on ball pressure and also the ability to recover. Um yeah. so that's something that really has given the Liberty some trouble. But yeah, we, we did see JJ has looked solid. Um and, and was probably the, the strongest player the other day in that in that tight game um for, for the Liberty in that matchup. And 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 Sabrina did get free a bit. Um but JJ, especially if no Shakira Austin they, they might have to really look for her heavily, uh,
1: especially whenever she can get that deep seal. Mm-hmm. She's, she's the one for me in this matchup. I think that through those regular season matchups, and I also think through the Aces Liberty matchups this year,
2: mm-hmm. to where
1: John Quell just, she's so much bigger than just about anyone she's defending, but, and when the Liberty were at their best, she's just punishing teams with quick sales and getting to the line and offensive rebounds, but when she isn't, and when the help how, albeit small, is able to double down or dig down on her move, and that turns into her ball overhead, trying to see, trying to pivot, etc., or knocking the ball out of her hands, and it turns into a scramble situation. It's transition. She's the last player down. She has to be poised on the block in this one. If she is, I don't. I still have questions about the Mystics' offense. If the Mystics have to play a whole bunch of half-court offense against this Liberty team, which I think second best defense in the W post All Star break, the New York Liberty. It gets really tough for Washington, but I think I think you have to establish John Jonquel early in the series. I, I just know there's going to be one play in this series where
2: Brittany Sykes blocks either Brianna Stewart or John Jonquel Jones. It's
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She's been so for another like all W third team candidate Brittany yeah, Sykes for what she's playing on both ends.
0: Unreal. Just keeping that team afloat. Like sometimes it seemed like by herself at at that that stretch that like August stretch this season. Um, and yeah, and they are getting healthier, but Ariel Atkins, she looked great the other day, but then had a donut before that and is getting used to the mask. And I, and I guess all of that, um, Edd is back out there and she's still, you know, herself. She's still punishing isolation mid range. Uh, so they're, they're a team that, and Sandy Brondello said it in post game the other day. That this is, as everyone predicted, this is a top four team that, with poor injury luck, fell down to seven. Mm -hmm. And they are not taking them lightly at all. Um, That being said, if you were going to see the Mystics at any point in the postseason, the first round is when you want to draw them. Because Shakira's status is up in the air. They still have some incredible forward depth on that Mm -hmm. team. And Tiana's great. Um, Maisha's really strong. Uh, they've queen, queen. Yeah. yeah, I, I, I will say queen the other day. I didn't, I don't know if I'd ever seen this. She struggled to back down Steph Dolson and Steph was solid as a, as a (laughs) back to the basket defender, uh, which is not really always her bread and butter. Uh, and Steph stepping up these last couple of games is huge for the Liberty's depth. When you think they're going to go down to an eight woman rotation with just Steph KT and Marine off the bench, uh, having having her have that remarkable game where they had the comeback win over the sky at, uh, uh sorry over was uh, over the sparks uh to to get the sky into the playoffs where where she hit those fourth quarter threes mm-hmm. um that was really a great confidence boost
2: for her going into the playoffs do we think is is there any more notes on Liberty Washington cuz I want to go to one other series too but if we've got any any more
1: thoughts here I don't want to don't want to jump us Um honestly I can't, I want to see what the Stewie usage is going to be like cuz I think part of what's made Stewie kind of struggle against Washington in comparison to just what the Liberty do to teams Normally, you could just kind of, you can move Brianna Stewart around the chessboard, you can create all kinds of mismatches, and then she can abuse them one-on-one or double comes, and then you get into the Liberty's Patent ball movement. The Mystics are so comfortable switching against Stewie, and then they're able to sink in their help behind that, but because they're so freaking fast and also just really good at anticipating, they can get away with helping aggressively when other teams wouldn't, even off of like Like, you will see them creep off Sabrina. It's like, naturally, why are you doing that? She's shooting 45% from three on high volume. Right. Their recovery speed is so insane that they can get away with some of this stuff. So even the passes that you think you have, you don't really have. And then you look at some of the unforced turnovers that the Liberty have had against the Mystics. A lot of them have been Stewie passing it to where the player was standing, but they're relocating. And it's miscommunication. It's just like, ah, they don't even know where they want to space right now because they know the defenders are helping and getting back. So naturally, as an off-ball shooter, you're like, okay, cool. If they're going up to help, let me move to this side. And Stewie's like, I just need a read. Or John Cole's like, I just need a read and know where it's at because they're coming so fast to me. And it's just ball sailing out of bounds or someone reaching ball fingertips, now it's going the other way. So I'm curious just to see like how consistently the Liberty can space correctly around some of this stuff, if they can open up Stewie that way, if they're going to use her in the mid post. How much of Stewie pick and roll ball handler do we see in this one? How often do we see Stewie as a screener with an empty side? I think it's going to be interesting. Like, if you are having these kind of where's the help coming from questions, at least stress out the spacing in that way. It's like, all right, cool. We're just on the right side. Everyone else is on the left. We're going to empty the side. If you switch, it is a quick post up. The help is only coming from one of two spots. These kickouts are easy. Maybe we start to see more Sabrina Stewie pick and roll, which I wish I had actual numbers on that. What's going on with that second spectrum deal? But anyway... I wish I had actual numbers on that. Because it does not feel like we see a lot of Sabrina Stewie pick and roll in New York. Am I off on that? Well, we see a lot more pick and
0: pop. um, Mm. Where, especially early in the season, Stewie would set that screen and then pop out top of the key. We are seeing Mm. that more frequently. But not so much as a roller. And I think that that's actually part of what Stewie likes to roll off of Slew. Slew, yeah. But... That was a lot of what I think Marine struggled with, with with Brianna early on, earlier in the season, is that she would leave her feet ready to like put like put a pass towards the rim into traffic, and then Stewie's not there, and then she'd sail a pass, uh, or she'd leave. Yeah, I mean everything that you are fundamentally told how to play basketball, Marine does not do, and that's what makes <laughs> her so exciting to watch. But that's also when you get some of those turnovers is when she's building that chemistry um but yeah i i don't think we've seen stewie finishing that the the roles as much with sabrina uh and and the way i think that their their best chemistry the two of them are is sometimes just they play a give and go for sabrina to relocate mm-hmm. uh, and she's often the beneficiary of that um but yeah as always also like sluut is just kind of the engine for this team and she's been really strong in the last Couple of weeks, and then Washington gave her some trouble the other day. So that that's definitely when you're talking like the empty side pick and roll. Mm-hmm. I would like to see some more action with
2: Sabrina there. I loved the point about Washington, you know, helping off a player or or, or kind of, you know, sagging off a player like Sabrina in a way that just doesn't make sense to your basketball brain but it, it it works they get away with it because of how quick the recovery times are I think it's a perfect way of of putting how exhilarating this defense is to watch and I think that the other the you know maybe the only player we haven't mentioned on New York that I think is also going to be extremely important in this series is Benaja yep. because he is the fifth starter Mark wrote really well about this the other day where you know, the Liberty have a lot of initial actions and then it's just kind of keep the machine moving. And a lot of that, you know, success they've had in the second half has been predicated off of Benaja making brilliant, quick reads, being so, you know, assured in what she wants to do and how she wants to do it, not just being relegated to the to the spot-up role, but, you know, pump and go and, and, and making really good passes and and driving left, you know, just so well, deep seals all this stuff and so if if washington is going to be helping off players in a way that we don't see traditionally from a lot of defenses benijah is a player that can really punish them uh but also maybe washington is able to get back to her it's just gonna be a really fun back and forth and i think she'll she'll play a a big part in that well five five games in september
0: so small sample size but benijah 18.2 points per game on 54 50 93 splits
2: so is that, is that good
0: yeah and, and hitting 2.23s a game so it's that's the highest volume she's gone up every single month in terms of, of points per game but also in terms of shooting percentage has climbed every month so B and we've seen her just more comfortable punishing those switches and those mismatches but that's mm-hmm. also then opening up um, she hits the corner three she started to drive more on those I don't know that we see her miss those lefty layups anymore. When she gets into the lane, when she spins to that left hand, it feels like that's just automatic at that point. And some of those weren't dropping early. She's shooting a little bit more from the mid range, which the Liberty don't do much as a team. But besides her and Stewie, like those are the two players that will um, that will take those shots, and they're going to make those shots too. Um, so yeah, B. I think talking about her as the fifth player on this team is not something you can actually do right now. I just, I don't know how you would rank them. Right. But I, but you're right. We got to her too late. Yeah. I don't know how you would rank them, but she might be the second most important. Yeah. Player in terms of a mismatch in this series.
2: Yeah. To be clear, I did not mean like, she's actually the fifth player on this team. I meant I'm more, yeah. more in terms of how we've talked about her role over the course of this season. Right. It's like, well, Slu is the point guard and Sabrina is the three point sniper and Stewie is the MVP candidate. John Quell, you know, former MVP inside. So it's like she's just been pushed to that fifth starter, but it's not in any way. I think like what Benaj is doing is absolutely brilliant. All right, we gotta we gotta move on here. <laughs> One thing I wanted to ask you, I mean, the other series to me that that I'm really excited for, because the Dream have just had a weird season. They've had an odd season, and they've had their two best players are amazing. Uh do they have a chance? In this series i guess i guess that's that's my question do they have a shot at this
1: oh man i entered like my prep and stuff like this seems tough there is a very specific path that or a very specific line of things that the Lit dream can do and like with some of the offensive issues that they've had they they wound up with 11th in offense post all-star break which and for a large portion of that they were just last i was like yo we i had a whole like rant session about the dream on a recent episode like yo this this can't be it i also just think about what dallas's base is defensively and it's like okay maybe this is the team that the dream can get in rotation and can actually play with a little bit of tempo and can generate some easier stuff for their stars and if they can put that together like maybe they can do it but dallas is just so big they're so much bigger than them and not only are they bigger than them, and you feel that on the offensive glass, you feel that with the post-ups. Dallas doesn't have a great shooting roster, but Dallas is so smart about how they space around their post-ups and how they set up their high lows. And with Atlanta already being a smaller team, they also can't send help because of how <coughs> you know the wings have, like Satu make the entry pass, and she'll shift up a little bit. And whoever's in the weak side corner will now lift up to the weak side wing. So as you make the entry pass, the help can't even come low. And it's just like, well, shoot, man. Like, what do you do when Tierra McCowan is just posting up Cheyenne Parker, who's like more of a four in size, but she's playing the five because of the versatility that she can bring? If you can't help her and now you worry about her getting in foul trouble, well, what do you do? It just becomes a perimeter game for Atlanta because you just don't have that interior presence. As we spoke a little bit earlier, like Alicia Gray's been a really good driver. Ryan is still growing as a driver. I think they wanted Aerie to be able to make that leap. as like that third person that can consistently pressure the rim and make kickouts. But it's been such an up-and-down season for her health-wise that she hasn't really been able to find it. If you lose Cheyenne's post-ups, which, is already go- which are already going to be more difficult against Tiara McCowan or Kalani Brown, they're both bigger than her. Uh, I-, I left the pod that we did yesterday. We had Mark on talked talk through some playoff stuff. I left that pod feeling even worse about Atlanta's chances. They, they swayed me. I-, I won't say it's impossible for Atlanta to win. Uh, I'm still, I feel like, a little bit more optimistic than Mark and Steve. But it, this feels like a Dallas series if they do what they're supposed to do.
0: I, I need to go back and listen to that because I can't believe that Mark would be would be down on the dream. That's what
1: I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I lobbed the question up to him and the tone immediately gets somber. And I was like, oh, man, I was expecting like 15, 20 minutes of back and forth on this three-game epic series. And it's like, nah, I've seen what, this Atlanta, what the Atlanta Wolves are. Dallas is a team very well-equipped to just hammer them. It's like, well – can't argue with the logic. That's just kind of tough. So I guess we'll see. You know, now that you
0: said Mark got in his feelings about the dream, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> we have to. We have to at least give a shout out to. <laughs> as we talked about three matchups, Aces Sky. Is there anything that the Sky can do to steal a game in Vegas to then make it a home court chance to to steal the series?
1: They have to throw the Aces off rhythm defensively. And I think they are, scheme wise, I think they're equipped to do so because under Emery, they do everything. Like we talked about the Aces in their zone last year. And for most of the year, they were leading the, uh, the W and zone usage. Chicago actually ended up leading the league in zone possessions this year. They will throw zone. They're obviously pretty aggressive in pick and roll, uh, bringing their bigs up high and having Elizabeth Williams clean things up if Alana's involved or having Atlanta clean up if Elizabeth's involved. And so, and then they are also pretty comfortable switching. And so all three of those things in moderation, the Aces have kind of had to sort through throughout this season. So, like, in theory, the Sky can do enough things to make the Aces, like, catch and hold or have, like, an early turnover fest, like we saw in the last matchup, Mm -hmm. where the Sky just jumped on them in that last matchup. They have enough. And then as I was doing, like, prep for the pod yesterday... The Liberty had the best offensive rating in their matchups against the Aces this year. The Chicago Sky were second, and I didn't have that on my bingo card. No, And I think a lot of that is just, like, it's the transition play whenever the Aces are just out of sorts offensively. But it's also just, and this is something that Mark uh, pointed out, just the amount of pull-up shooters that the Sky have between Kalia Copper, who's made strides in that front, Courtney Williams, what she's able to do, Marina Mabry, what she's able to do, when Dana Evans has it going, she can certainly pull up from just about anywhere. And you think about the amount of switching that the aces do against the sky in particular, like they can pull up against those pockets. Like that's something similar that we saw in some of the Liberty matches with Sabrina to where the aces are technically doing the right thing and switching and trying to keep things in front. But in that little bit of space between the switch, Sabrina's just pulling. And so the sky do have players that can do that. So would I be surprised if the sky stole a, a game one or a game two? a little bit, but it wouldn't be this massive, oh my goodness, stop, the press is upset if this guy pulled it off. Because they do have some offense talent to do it, and they also have enough scheme versatility to where they can throw the Aces, throw their timing off. And if it's another the Aces can't shoot from three game, it's there for them. But like, I'm very much picking the Aces in this series. Like, I think they are just a much better team. I think if Chicago's personnel was better and or healthier, mm-hmm. this would be a lot tougher and a lot more fun to talk through. Um, it may just be a case of this guy can do all of the right scheme things, and they just may not have the personnel to execute it enough to to win. I'm, I'm just excited
2: because last year we had a, a sort of depressing first-round series with Aces and, and Phoenix, where it was just like these games aren't close, they aren't fun. Phoenix season, it was just obviously so tough in so many ways. Um, and to just have an opponent that feels like, they're going to play some exciting ball. Whether these games get close, whether they take one, pull off an upset, whatever. I just think it's going to be fun to watch everything you, you were just going through right there. So I, I think it worked out. It, it worked out well in terms of the seating. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Even
0: though we had seen the sparks take the aces down recently. So, right. Yeah. There would have been a little bit of a uh, little bit of fun in that series too. So there was really no way to go wrong with it. Um, but Nakayas, thank you so much for, coming on and just talking so much hoops uh (laughs) i know that otherwise you would have been talking hoops to somebody else separately uh so (laughs) thank you for taking the time to do it with us where can everybody find you uh we're gonna also thread that that piece that you've got coming out but yeah where can they find your work
1: well first and foremost appreciate y'all and you're 100 right if it wasn't on this pod it'll probably be on another pod or i would just be digging deeper into 2k that just came out on friday so basketball would be in my schedule today in some capacity (laughs) i would imagine but no i really appreciate y'all having me on i really appreciate what y'all do like you you you're very much just you're one of the pods that i listen to whenever it drops and so I, i really appreciate the work and the level of care that you two bring both on the pod side, the media side, the written side, keep doing what you're doing. Like we need more people in the media space like y'all, genuinely. Uh, gotta give you your flowers while I'm here.
0: Thank you um, so much.
1: No really problem, man. That. Right. Also, back get, back. <laughs> also get the story deal, man. We gotta, we gotta I'm have like, by the end of 23, we, we, gotta, <laughs> we gotta we gotta <laughs> put this together. We it gotta put this together. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Um, but as far as where you can find me, uh NikiasNBA on Twitter, N-E-K-I-A-S-N-B-A on twitter uh listen to subscribe to the dunker spot podcast if you haven't already we're going to be diving deep uh, into the w playoffs and if you are also an nba fan listening to this um steve and i were talking through what our schedule looked like in terms of season previews i think there would be we record every monday and thursday i think we have six mondays and thursdays uh total before the regular season starts in october so i think october 1st or that first week is when we'll start our division previews so you can kind of be on this lookout for that but otherwise. It's going to be a whole lot of W coverage coming your way. Uh Join the Darker Spot watch parties. We will be watching all those W playoff games. Uh, I will exclusively be watching those games on playback since Spectrum and Disney are having this little tussle, so I can't get ESPN on my television. So you will definitely find me. I think they're good <laughs> now. Yeah, are I, they, I, think they're I think they're good. I think they resolved it. Did they finally do the thing? Yeah, okay. I think they did. Uh, but still, either way. is where it's going to be at I I do feel a little bit better now I can remove The angry tone at least but yeah we are going to be watching W hoops Uh, we watch Raw and Smackdown every week Uh, We tapped in with tennis we've watched some Golf we've watched kickball We've watched reality television uh, Steve snuck the bachelorette on uh it's we do a lot in those dunker spot rooms we have a lot of fun it's a safe space very inclusive so y'all come rock with us if you're not rocking uh with owen and miles uh, i think that's all i have
0: awesome thank you so much and uh yeah like mikaya said tap in with him and thank you for pulling up with us